and welcome once again to an episode of the Get Real Podcast. Non-Pastor Dan and you're... Depastorized. Depastorized. <laughs> <laughs> I you were unpastorized. Un- I can't un- ever get it Okay, started. unpastorized. Okay. Isn't that like milk or something like that? Unpastorized. <laughs> and you know, I think people really are kind of curious how we become unpastor and depastor. No, we did not get excommunicated from the church. Yeah, that would probably be an entire show. <laughs> I think it really would. But um, we don't have anything against pastors. No, we don't. Some of them, I might, but I need to check my forgiveness. <laughs> the, 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 for, the forgiveness meter? <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're all good. I so. think that'd be a movie, yeah. really, to tell you the truth. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. We talk about a lot of things. We both love heavy metal. Love it. And yep. we talk about different um, things, ethereal things, spiritual things, food. Yes, good food. <laughs> the Cambrian explosion, Bigfoot, whatever it hits us. <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about something very special and very personal to you. Yes. Glennard Skinnerd, as I have you in my cell phone app. And that's been for years. It, it has been for years. <laughs> well, Glenn, you've been writing a book. I have been. And part of the challenge is first I needed to learn how to write. So. Oh, okay. That's always good. That's always good. No, I've been writing a book. I have to say, in the studio with us, we have my son Samuel in Come here. Samuel. What's going on, guys? Hey. And he is illustrating for the book as well. Excellent. So the book that's being written is the whole reason why we're sitting here doing this podcast. It's something that God stirred in me. I have to say this is that I didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to write a book today. That was not something that I just decided to do. It's something that I really believe has come through a 10-year journey, That the time that both you and I were in the desert, because it's about something that you and I have talked about a lot, and that's the stones crying, the rocks crying out that Jesus talks about when you have the Pharisees trying to silence the masses when he comes into Jerusalem on, on Palm Sunday. And he looked at them, they're like, oh, you know, Master, can you quiet these people down? And he kind of looked at them and said... Uh, yeah, if I do that, uh, the rocks over there that are inanimate, they're going to cry out instead. So there's going to be a lot of noise anyway. Well, can you explain for the listeners a little bit as far as what inspired it? Obviously, a lot of your personal walk, going in the desert, as you were saying, and a lot of different things. Was there a specific point which it kind of came together and you had you know, an epiphany and you're like, whoa, I really feel like the Lord is speaking to me. Give us kind of the why and the the behind it, the inspiration directly. Sure. The epiphany came in February. I was at church. It was my birthday. Thanks. That's right. It was your birthday. That's exactly I'm an inspirational fellow. You you are an inspiration. Uh, It was in February and the pastor at the church that we attend, he got up and he spoke and I don't even think he realized he was looking at me when he said this. But he mentioned, and he spoke very clearly, Luke chapter 19, about the rocks crying out. And that if the church doesn't, they will. And he looked directly at me, and it just stirred in me that, oh, because this is something that you and I have talked about for years, how God uses metal, God uses music, things that are outside of the church, to glorify himself. And after the pastor talked about that, he just said that, I went up to him, I said, and God's going to save every one of those rocks. Hmm. And I really believe that's the case. And I walked out of there and I said to Deb, my wife, who's here in the studio with us too, that, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book about this. And the reason for writing the book, uh, I'm writing it and have been writing it on three levels. 
uh, it's not a very long book, and it's not to be a big scholarly thesis or anything like that. It's just to to share, and it's written on three levels. It's, it's first of all, it's written for the musicians that God used to sustain me while I was in the desert. When I was in the desert, there was certain songs, certain music, certain groups, and I knew that God was speaking to me through them. I wasn't in the Word. I wasn't praying. You know, I was going to a church, but it really wasn't much. Yeah, yeah you wasn't hanging out in the Sahara. No, was, no. Was actually, there there was a month that I did hang out in the Negev. Yeah, that's, a nother, okay. that's a whole that's a whole other. I did go to the Negev. That's a, that's a that's a whole other addition. Uh, but he was speaking through that, and I kind of knew that, and I've talked about it with my sister. So the first level is for them because I don't know if they realize what they did for me. And explain in detail, for example, from a desert, you mean you're walking through something heavy, big questions, personal turmoil, turmoil, your physical pain, physical pain. You you had to hammer out things pretty much on every level from spiritual to physical to financial to everything. A lot of people have walked through similar things and you were given comfort from, I guess people would define it as a secular source, which is kind of weird we could get into that as far as saying like what is really secular god right. made it all <laughs> god made right? it all right and, exactly. and so you surprisingly in that what you felt like you were alone you felt like you're walking through these things your your walk with the lord was tested but you were given great comfort from the mouths of these rocks crying out yes yes extreme comfort and it wasn't until the light switch got thrown on in the february march time frame because in working on this book, there's been a lot of things I've been looking at that people would say, that, that might not be right, or that, oh, that's not Christian, is, is what they right. would say. And one of the things that I've taken a very close look at is the bird, the raven. I love ravens. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's the devil's bird. That's, a, that's an unclean bird. Yeah, God made that one the last time I checked. You know? <laughs> he made it. Pretty sure. And when Elijah was in the desert, the prophet, who fed Elijah? It was the ravens. Hmm. It were the things that the religious person would think would not do that. You're that, making me want to get a bucket of chicken. <laughs> I don't know if they have raven. Bucket of chicken. <laughs> Extra crispy raven. Ooh, that's, that's some good eating, boys. That, that is good Deb, instead of the pizza, can you go get us some Kentucky Fried Chicken tonight? Sure so, yeah, I, 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 and that's that's what happened, and that's how this all, all started. And really, my experience with heavy metal started when I was a kid. And it just was kind of a turmoil for me. And I explained that in the book. I mean, there was 10 years that I lived without listening to any secular music. And that was before the desert experience. Mm-hmm. That's when you and I were at that place that, you know, we're mm-hmm. not really going to get into much detail right now. But um, there, a lot stirring in me. And there's always been a passion, a passion towards it. So the first level is towards the musician. The musicians in the metal industry that, that God is using. And there, there is no question about it. The more that I listen, dude, you sent me that pixelate video with mm-hmm. Devin Townsend. Here we go on Devin Townsend. Oh yeah, okay. And he's a rock. He is a rock, and he even that's one of the lyrics in the song is "We are the rock." Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, there it is, right there. You're yeah. you're, you're saying it right there. Even know it. Doesn't even know it. Doesn't even know it. And then I'm writing it for the metalhead who's been rejected by the church. 
One of the things I'd like to bring up, and for the listeners, when you hear us joke around about being depasteurized or unpastor or non-pastor, both of us were pastors. We were very deep into theology and, and a lot of different things. We'd preach the gospel, write music. We did a lot of different things. Um, television, television, radio, did, television. did different yep. things. Right now, because of some a long podcast worth of circumstances, we're outside of that, and there are advantages. There are. Because there used to be, I would have discounted this so quickly with just snap little little theology, nerd theology. Right. No, I'm sorry, that's secular music. God didn't move yes. in that. It's got to be over here with Sandy Patty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, it's, it, and everything has got to be oh. in its nice little yeah. row, and then you, you have to be OCD about everything, and that's what spiritual is, and God doesn't work outside of that. Nonsense. It's not what the scripture no. shows. No. I'm sure you have a list no. of stuff. And, from and the you book. remember, ooh, stay away from the electric guitars, and there were certain rhythms. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. The and, beat and patterns menace. of rhythms. Oh, yeah. Where in the world did that come from? Yeah. Fear and Where in the world? Because God created it all anyway. Yeah. And that's the title of the book is The Stones That Cry, and it's subtitled God's Precious Metal. Really, what I see happening now, and this is the whole huh, other reason that's a good for title. yeah, yeah, God's it's sweet. yeah, the stones that cry, God's precious metal, and what I see happening is he's let the devil kind of have his run with heavy metal for a while because we've talked about this before. If you go back and you take a look at the beginnings of heavy metal, it didn't start out as this very dark thing. As a matter of fact, uh, we could throw on uh, Black Sabbath's After Forever right now, and it sounds something like Jonathan Edwards would have preached. Mm-hmm. Very scripturally sound, very clear call for salvation, and then it got skewed. It got skewed, uh, but I think it's coming back around again, because when you listen to, to Devin Townsend, when you listen to Nightwish, when you listen to those bands and what's coming out, even Epica, but I think God's reclaiming that music. I think he's got, there's a really special place because it's so deep, so complex, so intricate, so intense. It just encompasses all the pers- all of the characteristics of God's personality. Well, I was thinking about it today because there's certain aspects of metal and really any sort of full throttle, passionate expression of music. Okay, metal is something that I think we converge on and we like, and that's where you specifically have seen God move. But anything, because there's always the 80% or maybe more where it's, oh, I want to be famous, I want sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's not a true artistic expression. Or it's the what we were talking about, sedative music. I just want a Margaritaville out of my life for a little while. But yet there's this, this 20% or so that when I listen to it, it's literally fallen human beings created by God that are dealing with heavy questions and they don't even understand what sort of lift and what sort of inspiration they're being given by the Holy Ghost to say and sing certain things that are that are exactly yeah. what inspired your book. And it's just amazing to me um, how, for example, if we were not unpastor, non-pastor right mm-hmm. now, it would be so taboo in most circles. Not you know, Pastor Bob who was in California. Yep. You know, where's he at now? He's in Nashville. Pastor Bob Beeman is okay. in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, yeah. I met him in L.A. in the uh, early '90s. But it was it, there's so much that is there that can be expressed. Uh, think of it, uh, David. Yep. He didn't just dance. He danced till his like robe fell off. You know, <laughs> he didn't get in trouble. He like committed adultery and murder. I mean, there was an intensity, and I'm not saying that all of that was good, but that was very real. Right. And it's more honest than somebody that's kind of like, um, 
you know, life could be... Remember the game shows in the 70s and 80s where somebody could win as many groceries as you could put in a cart? Yes. Or they yes. go in a store and they do it. Can you imagine if somebody just puttered along and just was like really not That'd passionate? That'd be boring television. Well, think about life. Life, the, the clock is running. And so we, even as Christians, sit there and we'll judge people that... Um, that really dump a lot in the cart, even if it's off, even if it's a worldly pursuit, even if it was selfishness, even if it was in sin. But there is a wisdom to what they're doing with the clock running and the intensity of what I would call those types of passionate music. It could be punk rock. It could be metal. And we're both metal fans. I like punk as well. But it's like those people are answering and looking for the answers to those questions. They're dealing with the wilderness, with the pain, right. with with death, with the finiteness of mortality, all the, all the different things. But they deal with it in heavy metal specifically with more of an an honesty, more of a noble, uh, what did I say the other day? A noble agnosticism. Agnosticism. Yeah. So they're not sure who God is. They're not sure about all those things. That's fired up. I can't wait to read all 130 so pages. About 130 are pages. Are you done yet? Are you, you going to bust there. another 300 pages on us? <laughs> I know you. You can like have an energy maybe, drink and go, ooh, ooh. Maybe, maybe there will be a part two. The part that we're at right now is putting the pictures and illustrations in. Because uh-huh. a guy like me, I got to have pictures and illustrations in the book. They just have to be there. And Sam has uh, given us, we've got it over here on display in the studio right now, one of the pictures that's going to be in the book. Sam, can you talk to us about that? And how'd you come up with that? What are we looking at? Oh, yeah. And for those who haven't seen it, it's a it's a picture of John the Baptist and this like this I'm gonna call it a force under underneath him and the whole inspiration behind I just like drew his face and I was inspired by part of the Bible where it said, you know, John the Baptist he wasn't like your normal average what people would expect of the church, but yet he was one of the most you know doctrinally sound people you would ever read of in the Bible. But yet you would read of him like screaming at certain times and not just, you know, oh, I stubbed my foot, my toe hit the nail, you know, in the doorway. He like, like he genuinely like hurt and he had a burden for everything that was going on in the world. And on top of like the stones crying out, I was thinking of like, you know, maybe he might have been angry for certain people like being quiet. Like I know um, sometimes I feel, you know, if you're not going to speak up for yourself or if you're not going to cry out for yourself, a rock would do it for you. And that would that would um, stir something in me. Like if you don't even want to save yourself or you're not going to cry out for yourself, the the rocks would do it for you. Like the lowest of the lowest would do it for you. And wow. that really resonated with me. Um, and that's kind of something I was thinking of when I drew mostly like his face and like the anger and like the anguish that he's expressing in the middle of just all the darkness and every, all the chaos going around him. And I was actually listening to one of the podcasts when I was drawing what I'm going to call this force that's underneath him. And I was listening to y'all talk. And, you know, um, when God was creating the earth and like the void and everything, the literal translation of the word um, from what was it written in? Um, Tohu and Vibohu. Yeah. Literally translates into chaos. And God moved in the chaos. And I was thinking of that because in the picture, he's, a, he's amongst all this chaos and this darkness and this blackness that people would not associate Christ moving in. But... If you take the Bible for what it says, instead of listening to someone else tell it for you, it says God moved amongst the chaos and organized it himself. He literally got up off of his throne in heaven and he moved. Wow. 
And so that's something I was really inspired by when I was drawing it. I got to write more pages. Yeah, I, see, I knew it. <laughs> I, I gotta, know this guy. I got to write. Here's the thing. And this, I mean, this is my son. And that's what's so, so exciting. And first of all, Sam, I didn't even think about the rocks being the lowest of the lowest crying out. You know, it very well could be that the reason why we have not seen God's judgment fall completely on the world and just the apocalypse and, and, and it just end and there's still time is because you have people being moved on like Devin Townsend screaming out for grace. Yeah. Oh, that grace video. I can't talk enough about that. Yeah. And the other thing too, Sam, what you're saying about the darkness is that does not look like the Sunday school picture that I remember of John the Baptist with no. the white robe and the, and the halo. Over no, there. not at all. But that's more realistic to what it was because John the Baptist was a wild man. Yeah. In the darkness that you're talking about, I didn't realize this till last Sunday or two Sundays ago when I learned that when John the Baptist came and when Jesus came, there were not many people who believed in salvation. There were very few true believers, but the people that went to go listen to John the Baptist were, okay, scribes and Pharisees did show up. To check on him. To check on him. But you had prostitutes out there. You had witches. You had wizards. All the people that you would not find in church were the ones who went to go listen to John the Baptist. Yeah, that's really cool because I think that probably is the most prominent example of that sort of intensity. It was unorthodox. He looked different. He sounded different. Um, I know there's really good videos with Leonard Ravenhill talking about John the Baptist. And he was saying that Roman soldiers would go out there in just huge groups when they're off or they have leave. They would go out there and listen to him because this guy was like over the top. I mean, what was cutting through the ether it was revelation. So he had this thing about him where they knew that he was genuine. He wasn't corrupt like the rest of the, the whole right. temple, it seemed, during the day. He wasn't into... Imagine, they were suffering. The Romans were hating on the Jews and all the violence, and the, the, the Jews are wanting to have their country back, and everybody's miserable, and there's not enough chickens in the pot, and everybody's hoping all these different things, and then this voice just cuts through. You know, that's real. Yeah. I was going to say raven. <laughs> no, really. A raven uh, you pot. just you just indicate something. Is you really want that bucket of chicken tonight? Uh, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> that, is, that is coming through loud and clear. I don't need to be a prophet to so figure that one out. In a quick review, during a wilderness experience where you felt like a big old flesh ball, like a greasy bucket of chicken, fried chicken, <laughs> <laughs> you in a very unlikely place received comfort in ministry through voices that aren't even directly people that would name the name of Christ. They wouldn't. It's interesting. And what's interesting, though, is one of those voices in 2010 did come to know the name of Christ. Yeah. Roy Kahn. Yeah. And he just reemerged. And I was just reading his stuff today. Eight years he's been uh, wow. he's disappeared. And he came back with a praise song, hmm. which is really awesome. It's, it's on YouTube if you type in Roy Kahn. I can't remember the name of the song. He's one of the best male vocalists. Period. One of absolutely the best. And, you know, one of the songs, believe it or not, that, that comforted me, and people are going to be like, okay, dude, you're just really out there, is Camelot's March of Mephisto. I like that one. Okay. <laughs> the video for it is absolutely... Maybe we're just oh, weird. We're just weird. Okay. Uh, the, the, the video for it is absolutely terrifying, but if you understand what they're showing with the woman who's just drowning in sorrow, her own sorrows and that self-inflection, and then you've got the the demonic coming, trying to lure her away to jump off the building. Hmm. 
that's how the demonic realm works. So when I saw that, it gave me a little bit more insight to, oh, this is what goes on. This is what happens when you drown in that sorrow. You just attract all sorts of friends that you really don't want. Right. And they're going to try to manipulate you and get you to do different things. And I thought about it. It's like, so why should I get upset about this when you read a whole book about the demonic in C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters? So basically you have a visual, musical, Screwtape Letters with the March of Mephisto. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah, well, I am weird. It's, <laughs> but it's, I think it's fascinating that another genre, escape music... Katy Perry didn't pull you out of darkness. No. And and it's like there's so much that goes on that the when I look at his artwork there and I think about a lot of the mainstream voices right now, smiley preachers and everything's going to be just do this this and this and it'll all just be great, you know? And then you people that need a deeper answer, that that's like you want to throw up in your mouth, you hear that. It's like you want something that's going to meet you in the desert that's going to show you the truth in the midst of the mess. But doesn't deny the mess or play fantasy games. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because that'll really bother somebody. You want to talk about somebody getting dejected and hardened. It's like give them that poison candy in the midst of that that depth of, of despair. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, that's, Definitely. That's good stuff. So the book is due uh, out in September this month that this podcast is going to be, be out. Uh, September 23rd is How do people day. get a hold of it? They will be able to get a hold of it. You can follow us. You can follow Dan and I and the Get Real program. We've got a couple ways. We're on social media platforms. First of all, we've got our website. That's lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y dot wordpress dot com. That's on the web. Uh, we also have an email, lithoscry at gmail.com. And we're also lithoscry on Instagram, which has been kind of a fun ride cool. doing, doing that. So as we get close to the book being published, uh, you'll be able to check it out. We'll be able. We're, we're also on Facebook too, but you'll be able to check out all of our social media platforms. I'm going to put information up on there. The electronic uh, edition of it will be available on Amazon Kindle. Uh, we're going through Kindle Direct Publishing. I did not want to send this off to a publisher to change everything I said to insert Camelot within Temptation with Katy Perry and the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, okay. So, and then there will be a hard copy of the book. I, I really am not that into ebooks. I like to have something in my hand. So the hard copy will probably be available in October. Good. Let me dig for a second. What is your hope of when a Christian reads this, somebody that's washed in the blood, and what is your hope for somebody that doesn't know the Lord? How do you want and pray for that particular book to affect them the hope is the same for both on a different level the hope for the person who's been washed in the blood is that some mental shackles will be will be broken because when i started moving into the metal when i started getting to know the metal community we've met some people we've talked to some people is that they're people and all too often because they look different because they think different they've been kind of shunned and, and pushed away but I think sometimes it even expresses itself subtly but still potently like right. somebody they look and just even the look of the industry of metal or whatever they they just uh, God's not going to be there and it may not be that condemning like you you know disgusting this that right. and the other but just the subtle like no there's no way God that's the condemnation because you know what like when I go to a church at different times and sometimes church itself in the United States can get really lame mm-hmm. and see if we weren't pastors we'd probably just split our church right now you know we, if we had a church right we now would. but it can it can be like oh let's compete to see the praise groups they're like oh let's have a contest to see who can sound just like Coldplay 
That's not inspirational to me. You know, it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can say these things. Or they have a, it's like a competition to see how much they can play everything from one particular super church and they get all their music from there and they don't take a chance. It's almost like a franchise. You right. know, you're going and you're getting your donut at the Krispy Kreme. It's going to taste the same in New York City. And it's like there's just something missing. There's not that the depth of expression of what God's laid on an individual's heart to express to an individual local congregation. Uh, Congregation, you know, right. I don't know. There's a lot there, and and the thing too for the person who's who's not the believer is to understand that God is bigger than what the church has made him out to be. Absolutely, that there's power in that. And you look at it. There's such a um, profound difference. If people judge really quickly, man, if you're if you're dressed, don't drag the floor. You're you're a harlot, you yes. know, like that. And it's like somebody that that makes a quick judgment like that. They can be full of venom, full of anger, full of self-righteousness, full of jealousy, full of all these things that don't even register. But boy, they got the measuring stick out for the for the dress or for the this. And it's in general, it's really ignorant and dark because there's conviction of sin. But if you trust your eye too much, you think that only what you see is what you might be guilty of. Yes. And you are looking at other people going, man, how can they, how can he, how can she, how can they look like that? Instead of going, oh man, the, the scripture says... Or is it in Jeremiah, I believe? I hate paraphrasing, help me unpastor, um, where it talks about that you don't even know yeah. the depth of your own heart. No, you don't. It, it's, it's, it's beyond your ability to sort out the depth of that sort of predicament. So that ought to bring a, a pause. And when we do make judgments, they would have to be really, really careful, right. you know, except when I'm talking about people trying to sell and, 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 yeah, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> My judgments are okay. Everybody else's judgments are bad. When you approach something that you might not be familiar with when you're trying to discern, it's very hard to do this and it actually takes discipline, is that you have to approach everything with a mindset of neutrality because then it's only when you have that mind now that's different than passivity. I'm just kind of sitting there and drooling on you. That's another podcast. That's a whole other podcast of passivity. That'd be a really short one and really quiet. We're just going to sit here and drool on ourselves, our podcast on passivity. But you have to approach it with just a, a, a level of, of neutrality is, is what you have to do so that you, you can let the Spirit, you know, Spirit show you. And, that, and that's what God's Spirit does. And Paul says, test everything. Okay, we're free to partake of everything. Now, that's not a license to just go out and do whatever you want to do. But how do you know that something, uh, and this is even true with Christian metal, how do you know that Christian metal is ungodly if you haven't even listened to it? And that's one of the things that's happened with especially heavy metal is you've got a lot of people that are yelling and screaming about this ungodly satanic music, but they've never listened to the words. If you listen to what Ronnie James Dio and most of his songs were saying was stay away from evil. Listen to the words. Listen, partake. And then God will move in your heart to determine whether or not it's profitable for you. And that's really my judge for for, for music if, it, if it's profitable. If I don't walk away listening from something where I've learned something or have a new insight or maybe have been freed up in thinking in a different way, it's not been profitable. But I do have to say there are some funny pop songs that every once in a while I just do get a laugh out of. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not against it. Not pop. against it. But it's profitable to laugh every once in a while because you need to laugh. Right. There, and sometimes, people, sometimes you want light music. You want to escape. You want to do this. But sometimes it's the equivalent. It's like agnostic theology to me is what metal is. Some of it's like, oh, you know, you got to 
you have to feed your family, even if you're a metal artist. I get it. Not everything is going to be this huge, like, well, I got inspired by this. But the muse, you know, the Lord, and it, it, there's something that's going to rise up or find you, and you're going to express that and feel something, and it's going to be something there. It's going to be one side or the other moving you. It, it really is. is. And the Lord is in charge of, of all of it. But I'm super excited. I can't wait to read the book. Um, for our listeners out there, we have listeners uh, across the world. We're yes, we starting do. to build in our, our numbers slowly. Um, we have from Ireland. What are some different countries? We've we got like to... Ireland. Italy's been huge, huge okay. listeners. We've got friends in the Netherlands that listen to us on a regular basis. Okay. Right here in the United States. Uh, we've got we've got quite a few listeners, but we do have an international but listener. We appreciate every, every single one of y'all. We love you guys and, and gals. And what one thing that I want to say to clarify, like you may be thinking, what is this? You know, it may be above some of their heads as far as theology or spiritual things and everything is there's different things that you can feel inspired when you actually listen to heavy metal or some of your favorite songs. The Lord might be speaking to you. You might not even believe in God, but we encourage you to be in some arena of being agnostic, ask questions if you don't know everything about God. And it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit would move upon our listeners, every single one of them, and they'd be able to to have a revelation that would be profitable to them. So, Glenn, I'm super excited about uh, when that book comes out. And Sam, thanks for joining us today. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get that bucket of chicken and then we're going to come right back with an interview with a band that I got to see for the first time in Tampa, Florida. The band is Armor of God. We're going to be talking to the entire band tonight. Orlando Vicente is the leader of that group. We're going to interview them and talk about uh, their album, The Dark Face of Greed, and what they've got coming up in the next couple months because they got some stuff on the horizon. That's awesome. So we'll be right back after that bucket of chicken. <laughs>
Okay, welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. This is Dan. We have just enjoyed, what, a whole bucket full of uh, greasy raven wings. But yeah, that was a whole bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken brought to you courtesy of Mrs. Deborah Remsen. Yeah, who, that was good stuff. Hey, look at that. We got somebody on All the right. screen here in the studio. This is awesome. So with us, we have Orlando Vicente and Carla Danielle from the band Armor of God. Orlando, is there anybody else there with you uh, other than just you and Carla tonight? Uh, right now, we have two more, and maybe momentarily more members will be coming in. Right now, we have Diana, and we have Henry. Hello, hello. Thank you for having us. Hi. Hey, Henry. How you doing? Hey. Fantastic, guys. Thank you for having us. Good. And Henry, uh, what, what do you do with the band? I'm the drummer. I'm the, the guy that hits the drums really hard. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And uh, Diana, what do you do with the band? I sing... Nice. So I saw you guys for the first time down in Tampa in May of 2017. As a matter of fact, Dan and I in the studio that we're in right now, I'm looking at the poster from that concert that was at the Orpheum uh, where you guys opened up for Hammerfall and Delane. And I understand there's a little bit of a story behind that uh, with, with Henry. Can you can you tell us about that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, that was a crazy, crazy day. Uh, the day before that show, um, I had uh, flu symptoms, and at least just one, which which was uh, shivering. And, and then uh, next day on the show, it got really worse. I, I, I went to move on into a fever and a headache and all that jazz. <laughs> so basically, getting up on stage was really difficult for me. Uh, as you can imagine, the, the music that we play requires uh, a speed and a focusing and ener- energy all over. And I, I did not have any of that. <laughs> From where I was, I couldn't tell. It was, it was very well done. No, very well job, done. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm basically, um, yeah, we went through the show. I got off the stage. I went to my car, drove back to Orlando, got into bed. And that was the end of my show, right? <laughs> well, it was a great show, and it was the impetus for this interview that we're doing because I was very impressed during the show. Now, Orlando, obviously the name from your band is taken from Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18, where it encourages believers to put on the whole armor of God. Why did you choose your name based upon the content of these verses, and how do you believe these verses apply to the world in which we live today? Well, um, when I was looking for a name of, for the band, uh, I wanted something powerful, something that represents heavy metal in a positive way. Uh, basically, um, even without scriptures on a way, it's something that's kind of like natural, like the Spirit tells us that we need something that to defend ourselves against the evil spiritual forces, because every day we actually live a real battle that... It, whether we want it or not, we have a spiritual battle to fight every single day. And the only way that we can actually be victorious in that battle is with help from God, from the Spirit of God. So basically, the armor of God, that's exactly what it does. On top of that, um, being a metal band, you know, metal is a, a kind of music that serves for for battle, you know, you, you, you listen to heavy metal and it's like, I'm ready to, to go to a fight now, you know, this is battle song. So so in those senses, I, I thought it was perfect to be able to to have uh, this name, you know, uh, the armor of God is what will defend us against evil 
and it's good like you know for metal really catchy <laughs> yeah you got a really good point there because there's nothing more metal than armor yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, that's what that's what armor is made yeah, out of exactly and that's that's actually uh, very true like uh, metal is armors are made out of metal so i even thought about that and on a research or, or or just my way of thinking and processing you know the the name of the band is like we need metal we need heavy metal to defend us so it makes complete sense and that brings up a point that is really interesting that I want all of our listeners to understand is that we are surrounded by evil forces all around us. And a lot of times, even believers don't even believe that. Yeah. And you go into a day and you wind up and your day turns into an absolute train wreck and you wonder why. But you have to go back to that scripture that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. A lot of people don't understand that, which I think is absolutely fascinating that you hit upon that. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Uh, we, you know, I, I thought about it one, one day. I was thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm I want to be a good person. I don't want to have enemies, you know, but I want to be in a war. But when you start thinking about, you know, what life is, whether you want it or not, you have to fight. You still have to fight uh, with those forces and within ourselves because God lives within us within ourselves it lives in our heart so the same thing with evil you know since we're little kids we see cartoons you see the little good angel on one side the little bad angel on the other <laughs> yep. and it's like it's like oh, oh yes it's cartoons it's this and that but it's basically a representation of what it's really like inside ourselves and how many times when we're, we're growing up and we listen to people talk about god and says god or jesus lives in your heart so basically if it lives in my heart, that means it's inside of me. And I really have to pay attention to my conscience. Uh, a lot of people uh, say things like, well, you know, isn't God only in your, is something that's part of your brain? You know, it's, it's, you don't see God, so it's, isn't it something that's in your brain? I'm like, well, my brain is definitely something very important to understand God because it's part of what created in my body. And it's uh, how I actually am able to grasp God's um, words or feelings or whatever it is. It's, uh, uh, this is how I see it as a walkie-talkie. My brain is like that walkie-talkie that communicates uh, directly to God. You're absolutely right. Because there's other believers that also think that they can just sit and drool on themselves in passivity. And that God is just, they don't have to engage their brain. And that's really one of the arguments against Christianity is that, Hey, you put yourself, you, you put your brain on a shelf, and you don't think, and you don't think for yourself. When it's actually quite the opposite, uh, some of the most intelligent people that I've met, not only just in the metal community, but are the people that really dive into scripture and really have a very, very deep relationship with the Lord. And that's really interesting because a couple nights ago when we were talking on the phone, I was like, "This guy sounds like my brother," you know, <laughs> from, from yeah. another mother to put it in, in a way. Because we're, we're, we're so similar in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways that we think. And it's interesting, too, that you bring up about heavy metal being music for war and warfare. A lot, yeah, of, people, a lot of people don't think about that. I have, a, I have a military background, and the guys that I've worked with often used to say that if you saw a Humvee pulling up with five-finger death punch blaring, there's trouble for the enemy. You know, And that is the music that does get you ready for that. I've never seen anybody 
uh, getting ready for war, listening to Katy Perry or, or Miley Cyrus. Have you, Dan? Have <laughs> no. you seen that? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Wrecking Ball. That'd be good. Maybe yeah. some people, but, you know, in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, something that you state on your website that's very interesting, and it almost seems paradoxical and oxymoronic in, in a way, you say that part of your vision for Armor of God was to spread a positive message through heavy and uplifting music. And for a lot of people, putting the words heavy and uplifting in the same sentence or just right next to each other just really doesn't doesn't match for them in their mind. Can you share with us how you came to the realization that heavy music can be positive, uplifting, and even glorify God? Well, I mean, just from my personal journey through life and music, you know, um, of course, I didn't start um, listening to super heavy music, but I did like listening to um, rock and roll, you know, and, and bands uh, in the 80s, like Bon Jovi, Survivor, uh, Rat, Poison, Striper. So when I heard Striper, that was my first... <laughs> yeah, White Snake. My, yeah, White Snake shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> yeah, all these bands. Um, I, one time I was listening to like something in MTV, this Snyder was talking about, and, it's, and then along came Bon Jovi, the father of happy metal. And it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's true, you know, because everyone had a smile on their face, and it's like that. Um, now, when I heard Striper for the first time, uh, they were pretty heavy compared to the other bands in the era. And then I heard, I read the lyrics, and I'm like, "Whoa, these guys think about God, about Jesus. This this is pretty cool, you know." Like, and it's very uplifting, basically. Eventually, I started listening to bands like Halloween, which very very fast. And of course, you can probably tell through our music that it's a very big influence of ours. Um, since we most people consider Halloween the powers of, uh, I mean the kings of power metal, but it's very very uplifting music. It's, it has all these nice melodies to it, um, just like Iron Maiden does. Uh, like a positive energy. Yeah, that positive emanates. energy, yeah. positive messages as well. Like mm-hmm. you, you read their, their lyrics and they're very positive. So it's something that really made me happy. So I'm like, metal can be a great instrument of happiness. Basically, I was really getting into their album today. And when I was listening to it, some of the musical things that I really appreciated were the fact that the tempo changes just created such emphasis and such. And then it's almost like and I play around with music, but I'm nowhere close to that level of talent. But I can appreciate it when when you all actually get in a position where. Um, you, it's like you create a, a, a cradle for the vocals and the way the, the female vocals just cut through. It was really good. I, I, I very much appreciated it. With the uh, Rage of the Angels Rage song, of the I Angels. loved that. And y'all were, as far as guitar and, and drums and everything, y'all were at like full Muppet speed. I mean, <laughs> I, had to, I had to put my face back on it, melt it off. So I, I really, really, really en- enjoyed it. So, But yeah, we were going to ask about influences. Any, any more that you can think of or one in particular if you had to pick a, a chief influence? Well, uh, for, for me personally, um, I, I, I mentioned uh, the ones that I already did, uh, like Striper uh, early on and White Snake and all that, and, and of course Halloween. Uh, after Halloween, I also did like uh, all the power metal bands like um, Rhapsody and Nightwish, basically, are very, very big on, on my influences. Uh, very early, like late, late 90s, early 2000s, 
on the newer side of and on in that spectrum of heavy metal now i've uh from a death metal kind of thing I, i'm not too big into death metal but i do like some uh some of it when i was growing up uh one band that got me into liking this kind of music a little was carcass actually okay because of the vocals and the melodies that they have it's like oh this is pretty cool and then there's a few christian metal bands like extol that go in, in, in through that style that i i really like now tourniquet is another band that really yes. influenced me and they're very uh peculiar and different at the same time they're they yeah. the drumming style is amazing and it's thrash but it's progressive and it's pretty cool um also megadeth is a very big influence that I really like Megadeth a lot. I was into Tourniquet in college. Were you? Yeah, so. How come that doesn't surprise me? <laughs> it does not surprise me. Well, when I let you know, uh, the other two members arrived, uh, Raimon, our guitar player, and Hector, our bass player, are here as hey, well. Hector. All right. Okay, Welcome. So we got the whole complete band yeah, now. This is awesome. I hope they heard my compliments because it was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> band's all here. All right. <laughs> How about non-metal influences i was getting ready to go there i'll start with that and then i'll let the, the other uh members uh, talk a little about their their metal or non-metal influences uh for me well growing up in puerto rico uh actually even though being it's a latin country and latin music is very popular my first influences were not um latin were more rock and roll eventually i did like uh, older classic rock like the Beatles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like classical music, uh, Beethoven, Mozart, especially Vivaldi. Actually, I like one one time I was listening to mm-hmm. the Four Seasons in my car and I had like this epiphany. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this song is so amazing. You know, it's like, wow, it's like it became my favorite classical piece uh, of all times. Is the Four Seasons and it's so beautiful. Uh, besides classical music, I mean, I do like some some of the Latin rhythms, like salsa music. In within the salsa genre, genre, sorry, I would put uh, Ruben Blades. You probably heard okay. about Ruben Blades. He's from Panama. Like my, my Raymond here, he's from Panama. Hey, hey. Uh, he's a very good musician in in all aspects, uh, as well as a lyricist in, in salsa. Um, when it comes to uh, maybe urban music or, or rap or anything like that. I'm, I'm not a big fan, although I can appreciate some of the styles. There's a specific artist uh, in Puerto Rico that is called Vico C. Uh, he is a, a very, he actually sings very positive music at the same time. So that's one of the reasons I like it's very philosophical and intelligent music. Uh, in the English style, I would probably pick out like people like Eminem, at least on the style of music, I, I don't really listen to a lot of the lyrics because my brain doesn't work that way. My brain's more, <laughs> my brain's more musical, but I can, uh-huh. I can tell that what he's doing is really hard with the way he's doing it, you know? So right. I appreciate things like that. Awesome. That's interesting, the uh, classical metal connection and that you had mentioned Vivaldi because Vivaldi sounds, it sounds light and springy and I'm familiar with the Four Seasons part of it, but it is very metal-esque if you look at it differently. It's very linear. It's got these, I don't know, it's a lot of math going on there, but it's, it's good. It's like good listening stuff. to Ingvay Monsting basically or Randy Rhodes basically on violin. Yeah. And you and I had this conversation the other night that when I was a teenager, I went to my mom and told her, I was like, Mom, 
if you take classical music and play it on electric guitars, you have heavy metal. Yeah. And she kind of was, she was kind of, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> and then, you know, a few years later, well, many years later, I discovered the world of symphonic metal. And I was like, yeah, I was right. And boy, I should have stuck with the trombone. That you know, I would have been one, <laughs> one heavy metal trombone player. Man, maybe I should pick it back. If this gig doesn't yeah. work, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm back at the trombone yeah. again. Go ahead. Quit your day, we, John. I'm sure we can compose some piece with a trombone in it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be good. Yeah. I think one of my wife's favorite songs is by uh, Ruben Blades or Blades. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, what is it? Uh, the one about the guy who's got the knife. I can't oh, Pedro Navajas. No. Pedro Navajas. That's it. You know, so I, I do know that. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got a question. Oh, Carla, can Carla hear me? Yes. 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 Okay, Carla. Question: In addition to being lead singer in in y'all's band, um, you have a professional career. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do full time and your educational background? Sure. Um, I I am a clinical psychologist, um, which I I tell my patients. You know, I I have a costume that I wear is a uh, is is that look of being a clinical psychologist because I do consider my myself a metalhead. And as you know, as a trade, then I am a clinical psychologist. So uh, most of them do know that I have a band. They ask me, have you had a show? Can we see some of the pictures and the videos? They actually really enjoy. And uh, some of my, my co-workers and my, and my supervisors know that I have a, heavy, a Christian heavy metal band. So they have been to seeing our shows. And it's really, really cool how you can marry both things. Because when you talk to a lot of people that are depressed on a daily basis... It can get a little dragging, and and sometimes it can be a little bit draining for myself. So I really enjoy having something to do away from my professional career that really uplifts me, that takes away all that stress. Uh, Armor of God, as a band, is a family. We are a big family here, and um, we really enjoy our time together. We have parties. We celebrate our birthdays. We eat together, we go out together, and, of course, we play together. Every time we play, we have a blast on stage. People that see us on stage, they usually comment, how, how can you guys have so much fun where you're playing? I could really tell you we're having fun. So that, that aside, I do have a, a doctorate in clinical psychology. I studied in a specialized university in Puerto Rico. It was a, actually an APA, American Psychological Association accredited program, so by the time I finished the, the, the classes, I was already in love with Mr. Orlando here, and I wanted to move to Orlando because <laughs> I lived in Puerto Rico. So then I moved to Orlando here, and I finished my internship here. I actually uh, did, completed my dissertation here, uh, actually with a group of uh, veterans from um, Vietnam uh, War. They were fantastic. I worked with them and, at a clinic as an intern, and they were really fantastic in helping me in completing my dissertation, my doctoral dissertation. Then from there, I did a postdoctoral um, fellowship here in, in the city of Orlando at that point, um, specializing in um, clinical assessment and psychological assessment. So right now, I work as a uh, geriatric psych uh, psychologist. I specialize in treating the elderly, and I work in um, nursing homes and skilled nursing facilities. That's where I, I work now. And like I shared earlier, uh, it's just, it's wonderful. My The owner of my company, I work as a consultant, and the owner of my company, just every time I have something new, he's like, oh, plug it into the rest of the group of the psychologists. 
we all want to go to your show. We want to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they want to hear the album. So those those are wonderful things. You know, I feel supported um, it, with my heavy metal family here and also in my job, you know, to communicate that, you know, this is heavy metal, the heaviest, the awesomest, and also the most uplifting one, which is Christian heavy metal. And it's been it's been a blast. And right now we've been together for seven years. years. So this has been wow. seven years in the making and sharing all this stuff. And it's it's wonderful. And I'm going to go ahead and stop talking right now because I could probably talk until tomorrow. So I'm going to let somebody well, else take, take, take the mic here. That's, it's really neat. That is it's, neat. It's good stuff. You're proving a theory over here at the Get Real Metal Shot Studio is that one of the myths that people have about metal musicians and metalheads is that we're all not very smart. And the opposite. Yeah, and it's the opposite is true. That that is the myth. And you've just completely blown that myth out of the water, which is totally awesome. Is that most of the people that we've been interviewing and talking to have professional careers in education, have higher degrees in education, work as professionals as well, and it's just it just goes to prove, and Dan and I have talked about this all the time, that if we handed out an IQ test at, at a heavy metal concert, it would probably go through the scale. But if we handed it out like at a Katy Perry or Miley Cyrus concert, it would be different results. The it results really would be would. a little bit lower, I think. But you got to promise us one thing, is that you won't look us up in the DSM-5 after you get off of this podcast. Because we're both, we're both uh, you got my you know. Don't worry. Everybody All right, here is you. highly functional, and everybody is highly, you know, uh, happy with themselves. So we're real Good. Good. <laughs> Good. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. We might be calling you again in about a week. Uh, that, that, that is also that is also. I love to hear how tight y'all are as far as uh, working like a family. That's wonderful. That yeah. is, and that's a testimony as well. You know, just the the love of God. You know, with that. So. It is. We got a question for Diana because again, this is another one of those things where people, if they read it, they'd be like, "Hmm, how did that happen?" Uh, Diana, we understand from the website that you have a background as a veteran church vocalist. Uh, What age did you start singing in church? And then how did you find the freedom to mentally and spiritually pursue singing in a metal band? Before I can even remember, I've just been singing. And then going to church on Sundays with my family, part of the worship that really reached to me was in singing. And so as soon as they let me in the choir, I was there. And it's just been my life. As far as how God works through me, I am always feel that I connect with him whenever I do something musically, that we work through things together. And it's just been great finding my friends here and forming the band together and just praising him and meeting new people and bringing positivity into the world. That's That's really what I feel like I'm doing. I'm having a blast as I do it. And it's really sad that there's a stigma in certain genres of music as far as it's negative, it's dark, and all this stuff. And I find that it's not true. The nicest, warmest people I've met have been at our shows, have been metal fans. They're they're really generous, and I see that there's Christ in everybody I meet. And I'm just very blessed and grateful that I've been able to do this. Have you experienced pushback as far as within i guess church church circles of people not understanding the genre or misunderstanding kind of where y'all are coming from that would seem almost unavoidable to me i personally haven't experienced it um all of my friends at church were all involved with music together 
and they've actually come and supported us. We've even performed at church. Yes. They've invited us to festivals and things like that. They've been very welcoming yeah, to what, us. Yeah, what's interesting about performing at church is that people are not necessarily prepared to know <laughs> yes. what they're going to hear. But then after they hear it, they're like, wow, you guys sound great. You guys are amazing. And it's like, I mean, I understand that the kind of metal we play is not like screaming in your face. It's, it's uh, singing and it's melodies and mm -hmm. a few growlings, but tastefully done, you know, and right. people do like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, it, it's hard. Not, it's hard not to like it. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Well, it's, it's such a good um, way to to tell a story or a narrative. I, I was thinking about the, today what I meant about musically with the 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 pauses and the tempo changes it was just like a beautiful cradle to to bring a narrative and with a lot of emotion it was it was great it does here's the thing that really amazes me when i was thinking about you guys and after having seen you guys for open open for delane and hammerfall those are some pretty big names and you've also opened for doro and you've also opened for tourniquet which are big names as well and you're very clear on where you're coming from you, you don't compromise and i really appreciate that why do you think it is that you get to open for these bigger acts that don't identify with the genre of christian metal and how have you been received at these shows being so clear in what you believe well, I mean, uh, there's there's like a big picture here, I would say, you know, it's like destiny or, or whatever. I mean, we definitely have to uh, open doors that get opened through through different contacts and things like that. We actually, through our drummer, he has a friend that is all into the metal scene. So he contacted all the people from the metal scene, one of them being uh, Camden Cruz. He's a guitar player. And he's also a promoter, but he plays in the band Seven Kingdoms. It's a power metal band from Central Florida. And once in a while, they, they put a, a good, some good shows around. So uh, they needed a band to open for them one time. So they're like, oh, Armor of God is this new band. Like, they want to play. Would you give him a chance to play? I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. I, I, I don't even know if he had listened to us before or no, but he called me and he gave us a chance to play with them. So that's the first time we played in the this venue that is basically the biggest venue in Orlando for this uh, touring artists that are not super famous, but you know like Doro played there and, and Luca Turilli mm -hmm. and all that with those guys plays in that that pub. Yeah. So so after we played there, uh, you know Camden he he contacted me again a few times. I was like, hey, we have this band coming up. Do you guys want to uh, play on their show? And uh, to be honest. Uh, you know, a lot of it is promotion at the same time because so like some of these bigger shows were supporting acts. So what supporting act means that we we support the show because they're on tour. So that means we we are required to sell tickets as well for some of them. And it's fine because in the end, if we don't sell all the tickets, hey, every single band has to promote themselves somehow. So if we have to pay a, a few extra bucks to to promote ourselves then we'll do it. You know, it's not a big deal. Some people are all against that, but it's, it's pick and choose. And I don't, I think it's opportunities, you know, basically you get your name out there and it, it helped us because it gets to open the doors for other people to hear us. And that's what happened in Hammerfall where we got to reach you specifically, you know, and you contact <laughs> us. So, so if we, if we don't it take works. those kind of chances, then we're hidden and we don't shine our light in the world. 
If it weren't for that concert, I wouldn't have known about you guys at all. And finding you guys has been an absolute blessing. Your, your music has ministered to me. Uh, it was really encouraging to see you there. I did not know when you came on stage. I, I could tell that, okay, Armor of God, that might be a Christian band, but may not be. But then when you guys started playing... It became so obvious, and I was like, "This is awesome because this is this is good. Uh, it's heavy. It's not compromising uh, truth at all. You could hear the truth, and just the spirit in the place. I really think it set up the spirit in that in that venue for the rest of the show. It just really kind of cleared the air in there, which was really really kind of nice. It was just a really refreshing." atmosphere and the whole night everybody just had a had a great time that was, a it was i was trying <laughs> <laughs> as you're sucking back on some theraflu behind the bass drum we did pray before we went on yes, stage we and it's like well no. you know man, mm-hmm. sure everything that you know mm-hmm. before god's glory and make us have a great show out there and hope he did and big props to the sound guy as well because most of the time, that's like super big. That's probably ninety percent your your sound is the sound guy. You know, like you, you can play a certain way, but what comes out of those speakers, and of course, when we're on stage, we never can tell how good or bad is sounding outside. No. So that's always a problem. <laughs> but I'm very confident by because of the response we had that night, the sound was great. So that's. Props to the sound guy. <laughs> I had a question as far as writing. Can you maybe run through what is y'all's process? Do one or two of y'all kind of write some stuff or lyrically, or do y'all collaborate? And, and how does that sort of work? Well, um, for the first album, mostly, let's say it's 90, 90% my lyrics, uh, 10% Carla for the first album. The, the, well, the only one we have so far recorded, Dark Fates of Greed. So, all those lyrics I did through many, many, many years. Some of them are, I had written like for over 15 years or even 20 years, some of them. Um, and little by little, I wrote some more. Uh, Carla did write uh, The Dark Place of Greed. Now, uh, musically, it's all me. I'm, I'm, I compose all the music. So basically, the show, the process that I do is I record the drums first and my computer, and then I start recording every other instrument until i have the song done and then i send it to the rest of the bands like hey here's the new song you you can start learning it now um for the he even sings he even sings like the girls he'll send he'll send a scratch vocals with him trying to sing like diana and singing like i i do and it's really funny because we're like okay you're Lana, we we get it we know what you want us to do here that's all could release a comedy special. <laughs> we could, yeah. Hey, the Bee Gees. Hey, they didn't really break, break, break out until they went yeah, the falsetto. Yeah, Bee Gees and Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. Yeah. Now for the for the newer material that we have on that we're playing live, we actually you you got to hear some of the newer material we have, but we haven't recorded it yet. We're in the process of recording we're in now. The process, yeah. But um, the new material I have done some lyrics, and Carla has done some lyrics as well. And Diana even did one of the lyrics for one of the songs, too. So we're taking, uh, you know, lyric-wise, uh, I'm able to, you know, grasp whatever they have, uh, and then I'll, I'll put it in music, basically. Uh, the Diana song, she actually did most of the melodies as well. She had, like, a, a little recording just <laughs> with her and the boys and a little, like, 
piano. electronic piano. Like here, this is my idea. Here you go. You you can you can work on it now. And it, it took me a, a little bit because it, it, it was different. It was hard, and 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 uh, you know she did it in one scale. And then when I'm trying to figure out what is the real scale of the song, it's like really hard because it's like half tones here and there, and like I have to. <laughs> somehow come up with the real chords that I'm going to be playing for this song. With your debut album, Dark Face Agreed, it's just packed with gems all over the place. It pretty much covers the entire spectrum of truths found in the Bible. It addresses those who believe, those who don't believe, those who might be questioning, those who are really walking deeply with Jesus. What is the message that you want to get across for those who are walking with the Lord and those who are still searching on that album? What what was the main theme, the main thrust of that that you wanted people to walk away with? Um, well, basically, the the main <laughs> goal of my lyrics-wise uh, would be to have people realize that there's they cannot or should not neglect their spirit because we all have a spirit. And if people can actually focus on that, it will be such a blessing for everyone. You know, it, whether you're walking with God or without God, you have a spirit. You, you are a spiritual being inside a material body. And we cannot forget that. We cannot neglect that. You know, uh, there's some, some truth to, to that. And that's why, you know what's funny, like how nowadays people that are... Uh, mostly uh, they don't believe in God. They say, well, what proof is there about God? My answer to that would be, what proof is that there is no God at all? Like, even if you're a science person, the whole reason there is science is because there's God, you know? <laughs> because there's atoms and frequencies and electrons and biology, everything. If there's no God, there's no science, basically. You're absolutely right. Science doesn't explain away God, but what science does is it explains in a way some of the ways that yeah. God works. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Exactly. And, yeah. and true science, you know, when people really ask questions and you start looking, the more questions you get, you know, you, you take protein synthesis. It's statistically impossible for it to happen by itself. It simply is. You gather a bunch of mathematicians together and they're going to go, this can't happen. So if you're really honest about it, it points straight to the Lord. You know, it's, it's got to. I'm just amazed that you were able to pronounce protein. <laughs> well, I've been working, Glenn. I've been working on it. It's, it's, a, it's we got a miracle right here. Oh, yeah. It's I a hear miracle. You. She's going to look you up in that book of hers. <laughs> Classify. I, I hear the pages flipping right now. <laughs> We talked about the lyrics, and I want to go back to that a little bit with Dark Face Agreed. I love the album cover artwork. It's it's deep. You can't separate metal from, from drawings and artwork. You can't do that. But when I listen to that song in particular, it sounds like I hear a warning for our time. And am I correct in hearing that there is a warning in that? And what do you see at this time in human existence that moved you to write that song, The Dark Face of Greed? Well, um... I think that that song to me represents how there's this duality in looking for success, in looking to, you know, I, I want these things in my life. I want to get ahead. I want to be successful. But then at the same time, there's that drive to like, okay, well, now I'm not really working uh, for what's, I, I'm just working to acquire more. I'm just working because I want more of this world. And I wanted to play on that duality of the more I reach, 
the you know the farther down I fall, even though I am I am going up in terms of the world, my spirit is lacking because I am all involved in getting you know get to the next step, get to the next step. And I myself as a as a human being, I sometimes I struggle with that. Being a professional, I say like, well, I want to make more. I want to do this. I want to expand this. I want to do that. And to me, Orlando is always. Is, is always my sounding board and he always reminds me, you know, that we are growing in spirit and we are rich in spirit and uh, experiences and we are rich in life because of what we share together and because our love, love is the most important thing that you can have in your life. So in that sense, I'm already a millionaire because I have so much love around me. So sometimes we just fall into that trap of trying to look for, reach and reach and reach. And uh, I think that's a little bit of how I was trying to go there. With, with writing the lyrics. Also, I got to say that Orlando was the one that gave me the idea because I said, Orlando, I really want to write a song for our next album or maybe for this album. I want to write something. And I told him, what do I write about? He said, why don't you write about greed? And I'm like, greed? So then I started thinking and then I came up with that thing of the dark face of greed, you know, like greed present, like you have that beautiful Hollywood type of life that people want to aspire to. But then there's a dark side to all that, and that's what I was writing about. Yeah, so basically, um, uh, I wanted to write about greed, so Carla wanted to write a song, so I'm like, yes, now I don't have to write about it. (laughs) 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 When I listened to that song, it affected me because empathizing with the lyrics, I could feel the bondage, the 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 soul being dragged down, the spirit being dragged down by greed. It, it, it's powerful. It is a very powerful song. It, it, that lie of greed, it, it permeates our society completely. You think about it and everybody thinks, if I get this, this, and this, just a little bit more, right. then I'll be there. And then everything's superficial. And I think what she's talking about, just um, the testimony of even their relationship yeah. and that uh, the the thankfulness and the contentment that flows out of that. It's a beautiful testimony. That's, that's it is. really neat. It really is. And it goes to what Jesus said about seek ye first the kingdom of God and then everything Absolutely. else will be, be added unto you. And and being humble, you know, basically greed, what I think about greed is, is one of the biggest evils that corrupts society in all, all genera. You know, it, it corrupts in politics. It corrupts in private companies it corrupts in you know in families it it, it just gets there because people and what people see on tv is like everything is a a, you know the plastic world it's like the money the cars the the this the that this is all about having more while neglecting the spiritual side and that's why i think it's so important to make people aware that greed will corrupt our souls and we cannot fall for that lie. So we talked about it. You're working on some new stuff right now. And when can we expect a new album from you guys? And how do you get them? <laughs> how do we get them? Yes. Well, um, right now we are, uh, I'm, I'm developing like a, a plan of attack. Basically, uh, we are recording. Uh, the process is always very long and tedious because of if all of us have like, you know, our full-time jobs and we, we can record little by little. Um, I was able to invest some on a personal uh, studio at home. So between Henry's studio, he has a studio, he's doing drums over there. And then I'm trying to do the, the rest of the instruments uh, in, at my place. So hopefully that will now um, 
help us to catch up with the recording process. Um, I'm I'm hoping we're done recording by by the end of the year, uh, November de- this December, and hopefully by sometime early next year have the the album out. And once the album is out, um, we are going to promote it. Um, right now, I'm thinking about doing a, a a platform like either Kickstarter or something like that to to be able to to get the album to some people and, and to fund it and and see how it goes with that. And after that, we'll. we'll it's easy to get our platform. Once the album is out, we can get it out on iTunes and all the digital platforms. That's where um, we are right now. Yeah, right now, uh, our first album is um, out in all the digital platforms like you know iTunes, uh, Google Music, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Amazon, Amazon. Uh, even on YouTube. Right now, uh, you can stream it. So we, we put it out there so people, you know, because if people don't know who you are, then you know they they it, we try to make it easy. To reach now for our second album, uh, we're gonna try to see if we are a little bit more exclusive, at, at least at the beginning, so that way um, people get interested, you know, and, and hopefully we can do some sales and things like that, and eventually uh, put it everywhere as well. Well, you're gonna have to let us know and, and keep us posted on on when that's gonna come out. And you've got some big shows coming up uh, as we wrap up 2018. So can you share with our listeners where you're going to be so that they can catch a show? In just uh, less than two weeks, we're going to be playing with Angra uh, over here in Orlando. It's going to be September 7th. So by the time the podcast is out, I don't know if that's going to be already passed or not. But September 7th, uh, Angra is touring with um, a band from Romania called Scarlet Aura. It's the only really? band from Romania I've ever heard, and it's also uh, female-fronted uh, melodic metal. It's pretty good. Yeah. So we're excited about it. I already uh, talked to them on on the Instagram and and Twitter and stuff like that. So uh, pretty nice people so far. Um, they've been keeping in touch, and then after that, we actually just have a a festival on the Space Coast Harley Davidson. It's gonna be uh, Halloween festival at the harley davidson with six florida bands uh it's called something about the too too close too close to halloween metal fest yeah (laughs) yeah cool Cool. and what's the date that's gonna be october 27th which is a saturday before halloween yeah and then the following week on november 3rd we have a show at the haven in orlando with a band from canada called borealis which is a really cool band that I actually heard a few years ago for the first time, and it blew my mind because they're very melodic, uh, very nice, nice sound, very melodic sound, positive, kind of progressive uh, a little bit, yes. Dan and I have already put in discussion a trip down to Orlando for that show on the 3rd of November, so we're going to have to try to swing that one. Where can uh, people get tickets for these shows? Oh, uh, in our website... Okay. One, one, uh, it was his armor of God music.com. Uh, we have links there to uh, tickets and events information. So definitely our website would be the, the, the best way to go buy it. And they can also direct connect me on, on our Facebook page, which is the armor of God music band uh, Facebook. Okay, so that's armor of God music.com, correct? Yeah, that's our website. Yes. Good. I want all of our listeners to be able to get that. And you guys, everybody that's listening needs to go check everything out. Because you also sell those really cool t-shirts on that site, too, with your designs on them. Yes. On the, yeah, those are those are really nice. And uh, since it's going to be September when this podcast comes out, 
you know, it's never too never too early to start shopping for Christmas. So, <laughs> hint, 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 Dan. Mm, boy, what does what does Unpastor Glenn want in his Christmas stocking this year? <laughs> those shirts are actually are going to be going uh, lower in price because I'm ready to do the new logo. We actually have a new logo. We see the one in our website already. Um, and we're going to be doing church with a new logo as well. Big sale on, on the yes. way, too. Big sale on the, on the old church. It's going to be this okay. price. <laughs> Twice the nights for half the price. <laughs> Do you guys have anything that you want to touch on for our listeners that we haven't asked you? Oh, we haven't said where everybody's from. Right? Oh, yeah. Did you wanted to know where yeah, we're yeah, from? Where is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where is everybody from? Yeah, well, uh, I talk a little bit about Puerto Rico. So, yes, I'm from Puerto Rico. I was born and raised over there. And I moved to Florida when I was probably like 22, I think, back in 1999. Yeah. And then here you go. We're going to the right yeah. side. So, I'm Carla, and I'm singer, and I am also from Puerto Rico. And I moved uh, nine years ago is when I moved to here to Florida, Actually, when I fell in love with Mr. Orlando Vicente and moved here. So, <laughs> loving it ever since. Uh, I'm Diana. I'm from Orlando, Florida. haven't really lived anywhere else, so I'm kind of a native to this area. And I sing in the band. I'm Raymond. I am the guitar player, the uh, harmonizer. <laughs> um, and uh, <clears throat> I, was, I was born and raised in Panama. And uh, I moved here back in 2001, and uh, I've been I've been in and out. I've been in and out since uh, yeah, <laughs> of the country. Yeah, you lived in Turkey. Yeah, right? I lived in I lived in wow. Turkey. I moved back to Panama, and I've I've lived in like I've been in, in, in the outskirts of Seattle. Lived there for a while in this little town called Kenmore, North Carolina. But Florida's where I call headquarters, and this is where you know, I've, got, I've got my family. So and hopefully you're not going anywhere for now. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm Hector Acevedo. I'm the bass player. Um, I'm raised a boy in Puerto Rico. Um, moved to Connecticut. I don't remember. Well, you know, maybe ten years ago. Um, I moved to. Um, I'm here now in, in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Really good bass player. Uh, me, the, the drummer, um, Henry. I'm originally from Colombia. I moved to the States in '95 uh, to Chicago, where my family used to be. They they moved to Orlando eventually, and I went along with them. And I'm been here since since then, and I'm loving it, loving in this family yeah. every single second. And I I guess uh, one thing I wanted to add, you know, about about the connections in this band here is uh, like Carla was saying earlier is we're, we're friends we're family more you know it's like it's I, to me the, the story of this band is also like a story of perseverance oh, and, yeah. and faith in, in, in God because uh, you know I'm, I'm 42 right now and we started this band like seven years ago but before that you know I've, I've been in different bands in Puerto Rico when I was in high school uh, eventually when I was in college I was in another band that was a little more like thrashy sounding but when i moved to florida i wanted to form a band and i just couldn't get the right musicians uh, actually the first musician that i met from this band was uh raymond here along with uh, our old bass player louis because i i met louis at, at the church where, where i was going he was playing the the acoustic guitar in that church so eventually i hand him a bass because i needed someone to play bass and <laughs> raymond here um was playing the drums at the time 
because uh, we were three peas. I was doing um, yeah, I was I was doing a youth ministry at church. So that's when we we were three peas and we did a few originals and yeah. also some oh, cover songs. We, yeah, we, we did, did sing like that. Our uh, God is an awesome God, yeah. but like doom metal. Oh, now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome God in doom metal. You, yeah. you have to listen to that. Actually, we, we, we need to record it. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> you you like really that. do. I like that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. What we're going to do is we're going to play Rage of the Angels for our listeners so yeah. that they can see what actually melted Dan's face off. Yeah, just, <laughs> Dan's I always, he's always looking for an excuse for the way he yeah, looks. Yeah, I got a face for radio. This is not working out. <laughs>
No, amazing. Look, they're a great band. They're super tight. You can tell they have a great relationship with the Lord. That was that was a blessing, dude. It, it really made it is. worth putting up with you for like two hours. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have to say that chicken was good. That was a good choice. Oh, that was of, really good of, chicken. Of meal this evening. So if you're interested in more about what we're doing over here with two unpastors who really don't know what they're doing behind a microphone, <laughs> but just kind of going with what, what's in their hearts, uh, you can check us out on our website at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y, dot wordpress, W-R-O-R-D-P-R-E-S-S dot com. You can also uh, email us if you have any questions or if there's a topic that you'd like to hear about. or if you need feedback. Yeah, some feedback if you completely disagree with us and throw darts at our pictures every night. Dude. Go for it. You can yep. You can get us at lithoscry at gmail.com. And we're also on Instagram at lithoscry. Dan, it's been awesome hanging out with you again. It has been awesome hanging out with you, Glenn. Good. It's been way too long. Everybody, just keep it real. <laughs>